0: God's word is truth and power. When we engage with God's word, we must embrace it as absolute truth and believe in its power to work in our lives. With childlike faith, we believe. With warrior-like tenacity, we hold on to it in faith. As we believe that it will be as God has promised, we will experience God's word being fulfilled in our life. If you brought your Bibles, please hold it high up in the air and let's make this declaration together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This morning, I just want to uh, speak a simple word of encouragement into our hearts. Uh, Much of what I'm going to say is not new. It's, uh, It's things that you and I may have heard in the past. Uh, But I just want to bring it as an encouragement into our hearts this morning. uh, To encourage us uh, to hold on to God's word. So tell your neighbor, hold on to God's words. God's word, broadly speaking, has uh, instruction and promises. The word of God has principles and promises. Principles are really instruction for us to live by. So God says, this is how I want you to live, this is what I want you to do, uh, this is how you know you, you need to forgive, you need to love, you need to give, and so on. So there are principles in the Word of God, broadly speaking, things that we have to live by, and these principles are given for our instruction, as 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says, they're given for our instruction, for our correction, for our uh, conviction, to build conviction in our hearts, uh, for us to grow up and be equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work but there are promises in the word of God which God gives to us and he says look this is what I want to do in your life this is what I want you to believe and this is what I want to really see happen in your life principles and promises in God's word or God's word is truth and power God's word is truth and power. Let's talk about the truth part a little bit. You know, when we come and 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 approach the word of God or engage with the word of God, we understand, we need to recognize the truth of the word of God and the power of the word of God. The truth of the word. Jesus said in John 17 and verse 17, now you could turn to scriptures and maybe some scriptures we'll turn to. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus said, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So when we approach the word of God, we engage with the word of God, when we read the word of God, we must recognize that the word of God is Truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. So when I read my Bible, I'm reading truth. Because the Bible says that God cannot lie. Right? Look at some scriptures. Numbers 23 and verse 19. you're familiar with this, let's make mention of it. Numbers 23 verse 19. What does it say? God is not a man that he should lie. Neither The son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? God is not a man that he should lie. So when we read the word, when we open up the Bible and meditate in the word and engage with the word. This is our first premise. This is the bottom line that we start. Thy word is truth. God What I'm reading, this is truth. Thy word is truth. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. God's not a man that he should tell lies. He's not a man that should alter the things he's spoken. He's not going to go back on it. Or as Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, God that cannot lie there are some things God cannot do. We normally say God can do all things. There are some things God cannot do. God that cannot lie. God is truth. There is no lie. God is light. There is no darkness. God that cannot lie is promised as eternal life. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. Psalm 89 and verse 34. Psalm 89 verse 34. It says this. God says, My covenant, my covenant, I will not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. My covenant, I will not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. So, God's word is truth. When I open the Bible, when I read it, look, I'm reading the word of God. I'm reading the words of God who cannot lie. God who always speaks the truth. God who cannot, who will not alter the word he has spoken. This is truth. Amen? God has called us. In order to experience the kingdom of God, God has called us to be both childlike and warrior-like. We have to be both. Jesus said in Matthew 18. Unless. Verses 1 to 4. Unless you become like little children. You cannot enter the kingdom. It takes childlikeness To enter in and experience the things of the kingdom of God. But he also said. We've got to be warrior-like. Matthew 11 verse 12. We'll come to this a little later. But he said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. So I need to know that I'm called to be childlike. When I look at the word, I I extend a childlike faith, childlike trust in the word of God. Because his word is truth. Amen? I just trust. This is the word of God. This is God speaking. I trust that word. His word is truth. But his word and his word is also power. His word is truth, but his word is also power. What we must when we engage with the word of God, what we must understand is that there is power inherent in God's word for it's To be fulfilled. For it to be accomplished. There is power inherent in that word. Look for instance in Isaiah the 55th chapter. Isaiah 55. Again this is familiar verses of scripture to us. uh, Verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 55. Or verse 10 and 11. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. God says. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven. And does not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God is saying, look, I'm going to give you an example. Look at your own world. Just like the rain that comes from heaven, it waters the earth it, and, and it causes the earth to produce. Uh, the rain doesn't fall down for nothing. It, there's some impact, there's some effect of that rain. He says, likewise, in like manner, the word that I speak, he says, the words that I speak, they will, they will cause something to happen. It shall not return to me empty. It will not come back to me unaccomplished. He says, but the words I speak, they will prosper and the thing for which I sent it. They will accomplish what I sent it to accomplish. So God's word has been designed to produce. And it, is, it carries power inherent in that word. To cause that word to come to pass. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. We know this scripture. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive and God's word is living. It's powerful. It carries the power of God. Or Jesus spoke or used this analogy. He said, you know, a, a farmer went out to sow. He sowed seed on the ground. And he said in Luke 8 verse 11, the seed is the word of? So God's word is like seed. Many of you may have held seed in your hand. I don't know what kind of tamarind seed or mustard seed. Most most of the time you're familiar with that. The seed, when you hold it in your hand, it's so small. It almost seems lifeless. You think like, well, out of the seed, something is going to come. Out of the seed, a big tree is going to come. Sometimes it's, it's unimaginable. But then you take that seed, you sow it, you put it in the ground. It germinates and it springs up after some time. It can spring up and a plant, a tree comes out of it. When you hold a seed in your hand, that seed seems lifeless, but in that seed is the potential to give rise to a plant or a tree. And God says, that's how my word is. The seed is the word of? So when you and I read the Bible, when you and I engage with the word, we must engage with with this conviction that it is truth, but it is also the power of God. The word is not just letter. You you open the Bible, or nowadays you might see it in electronic form, you're reading letter. But it's not just mere words. It's not just mere letter. It's the word of God that is truth. And it's the word of God that is power. It contains. It's a carrier of the power of God. Amen. Inherent in that word is power. And the power of that word. Can cause things to happen. In my life. In your life. I like to. Look at it this way. If you go with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, we'll just look at two verses of Scripture there in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. The writer of Hebrews says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, we understand. Faith is not ignorance. Faith brings understanding that doesn't come from natural means. By faith, we do understand. Some people say, you understand how God created? Well, I absolutely understand. My faith gives me the understanding. It gives me the conviction. It gives me the knowing that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That the entire, entirety of creation, all of this universe came into existence, was constructed, was formed, was assembled, was put together, was framed by the Word of God. So that everything in this visible came out of the invisible. Everything in the natural came out of the spiritual. Everything that's in our material world, came out of the immaterial word of God. So here's how I like to look at it. If God's word has so much power that it created everything, I'm sure it has enough power to create in my world. In my tiny world. It can bring into being I can bring into existence what does not exist in my world. Do you believe that? If the Word of God had so much power, it brought everything, in, all of creation, into existence. I believe there is enough power in the Word of God to bring into existence what does not exist in my little tiny world. It can form, it can construct, it can shape, it can bring into existence. Because the word of God is that spiritual material that causes things to come into pass in this natural world. To come into existence. So there is enough power in the word of God to create, to bring into existence what does not exist in your life, in your worlds. Do you believe that? Maybe in your world, in my world right now, maybe uh, there is an absence of blessing and, 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 and I'm, I'm struggling financially and I'm not seeing enough sufficiency. Or maybe there's confusion, there's an absence of peace. Maybe there is hopelessness, there's an absence of hope. Maybe there is sickness, there's an absence of health. Maybe whatever, there could be so many things that are absent. But there is enough power in the word of God to bring into existence what does not exist in your world. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. The Bible says... Talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice that little part of that verse, that right now Jesus is upholding all things by the power. Power or by his powerful word. By the power of his word. What the Bible is saying. Is that this entire universe. Is sustained. Is regulated. Is kept in place. By the power of his word. Upholding all things. By the word of his power. or By his powerful word. Now here's how I like to look at it. If this entire universe is being upheld by the word of God. I'm sure my tiny little life can be upheld by the power of his word. Do you believe that? Or are you afraid that you're going to go down? And everything in your life is going to fall apart. I'm not going to make it. Or do you have confidence That there is enough power in the word of God to uphold, to sustain, to regulate, to keep everything in place in your world, your life. I believe that when I approach the word of God, when I engage with the word of God, when I read the word of God, when I I look at the truth and I look at the promises of the word of God, I am convinced that there is enough Know why i'm losing my voice here but there is enough power in the word of god to uphold my life amen there is enough power in the word of god to uphold your life your life is not going to fall apart your future is secure because god's word has said something about your <coughs> about your future your your health is secure because god's word has said something about your health the word of God can uphold your life. There's enough power in that word. Amen. Look at what Paul told the Thessalonians. In First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. For, <clears throat> for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received <clears throat> the word of God, which you heard from us, you, wel- <clears throat> you welcomed it not as the word of men, But as it is in truth. The word of God. Which also effectively works in you. Who believe. Paul is saying. Thessalonians. He's commending them. He's saying. When you heard the word of God. Which we brought to you. You did not receive it. As the word of men. Some man is talking something. No, That's not the way you approach the word. He said. You received it. As it really is the word of God. You esteemed it as the word of God. This is truth. This is power. And he says, the word which now effectively works in you. Who? Believe. God's word works. Let's say it together. God's word works. See, the Bible is not a boring book. The Bible is not a good piece of literature. The Bible is not a historical document. Uh, The Bible is not just a a philosophical uh, work. The Bible is the word of God. And this word works in our lives. He says it works effectively, meaning it's putting out divine energy. The power of the word is being emanated. It's being released into your life and mine. Every time we engage with it, we hear it, we let it get into us, we let it germinate in our hearts. The word of God is releasing its power into your life and mine. Setting us free. In areas of our bondage, bringing peace where there's confusion, bringing healing where there might be sickness. The word of God is working. What is it causing? It's causing everything that God is pleased in. It's causing that to be accomplished in our lives. Because he said, it will accomplish what I please. It will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So that word is working in your life. The power of the word. But there, there is more than enough power to create in your world to cause, to come into being things that do not exist. There is enough power in that word to sustain you, to uphold you and that word is releasing that energy into your life. In physics, you probably studied this long time ago in school. You know, a one way of looking at, at, at light. There, there are two theories. There's a wave theory and there is the Photon theory, the, the energy packet theory, where uh, light, is supposed, uh, can, you can consider light to be uh, photons or energy packets. And as those photons impinge on a surface, the energy it carries is released. I like to look at the word of God that way. But when the word of God impinges on my heart and my life, the energy in that word is released to work in my life. It's causing things to happen. To happen in your life. In my life. Amen. Look at some other scriptures. Psalm 107. And verse 20. Psalm 107 verse 20. The Bible says. He sent his word. And healed them. And delivered them. From their distresses. What did he do? He sent his Word, and healed them. So here were God's people who actually at that point they were being bitten by snakes all kinds of things were happening to them. And what does the Bible say? He sent his word because his word carries his power. His word has more than enough healing power. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their distresses. When God wants to bring deliverance in your life and mine. When God wants to bring healing in your life and mine. What does he use? He sends his words. His word. There is enough power in that word. To bring healing to you and me. Proverbs chapter 4. Verses 20 through 22. Proverbs 4. 20 to 23. What What does God say here? He says my son attention to my word. Proverbs 4 verse 20 to 22. My son pay attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health To all their flesh or to their whole body. Just my words. My word is life. My word is healing to your whole body. So the word of God is a carrier of the power of God. And it will create in our our lives. It will release divine energy, the power of God into your life and mind. Bringing about change, bringing about transformation. Whatever does not exist now, it can bring into being. Amen? So, what does God want you and me to do? He wants us to believe. Believe the truth of my word. Believe the power of my word. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the truth, the absolute integrity, the purity of the word of God? Do you believe that that word is truth? When he opened the Bible and he looked at the promises of God, do you believe that it is the truth? And do you believe that it is the power of God? That that word which God has spoken, yes, it's in written form, it's in black and white, That that word has power to be fulfilled in your life. Do you believe that? Look at two contrasting situations in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. You read about the Jewish people. Hebrews 4 verse 2. It says, and the gospel and the word that was preached to them. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached to them did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, the problem was not with the word. The word is truth and the word is power. But it didn't do them any good didn't profit them didn't benefit them it 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 was like it just was meaningless to them why not because there was some defect in the word but it says it the word preached to them did not profit them why not being mixed with they they didn't take hold of the word so what do you mean take a hold of the word? And I put my Bible under my shoulder and I walk around and I'm holding it secure. It's not about that. It's i about holding it by faith. Take a hold of the word. How? By your faith. But they didn't do it. And so the Bible says it did not profit them. It didn't benefit them. So can you imagine the word? Of Almighty God, the creator of this universe that is packed with power, that is loaded with promise, is being sent to a people. But it doesn't do them any good. Why? Because they don't mix it with faith. They don't take a hold of that word by faith in their hearts. But look at another example. In Luke chapter 1. This is about Mary. The angel comes to her and speaks what we could call maybe an unbelievable word. Or an incredible word, meaning it's like far-fetched. What is Mary's response? Luke one thirty eight. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your... Let it be to me according to your... So this word is truth. This word is power. Let it be to me according to your word. Fine God. This is your word. Let it be to me according to your word. What does it say in verse 45? Elizabeth speaking by the spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is coming on her. So this is God speaking through Elizabeth. She says, she tells Mary. Blessed art thou who believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told you from the Lord. Blessed are you who believed. Mary, you heard the word. It was really far-fetched. It was incredible. It was unbelievable. But yet you responded, let it be to me according to your word. And so, Mary, blessed are you who believed, because there will be a performance. There will be this word coming into fulfillment. There will be a demonstration of that word. Blessed are you who believe, for there will be a performance of that which God has spoken to you. Why? Because you believed. Because you believed. Do you believe? See, God has spoken concerning all the areas of our lives. He has given us His words. For our future. What did God say about our future? Look at all these verses. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Many of us know it. What did God say? I know the plans I have for you. Plans of prosperity. Prosperity. And not disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Concerning your future, what did God say? I know the plans I have for you. Some of us today may be trapped in a situation in life. It's like God, how did I get in here? I'm trapped. I can't get out. And, you, and, and when you're trapped, hopelessness sets in. Question, do you believe the word of God? What did God say? I know the plans I have to give you a future and a Some of us may be worse than a trap. We are down at the bottom of the mighty pits. It's like, God, I could, never have, I could never go lower than this in my life today. Do you still believe the word of God? I know the plans I have for you. Plans of prosperity and not disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Will you believe the truths of the word? And will you believe the power of that word? Will you believe that God is not a man that he should lie? Even though you find yourself at the bottom of a miry pit. Do you still believe that God cannot lie? And do you believe that there is enough power in that word to bring you out of that Maori pit and set your feet upon the rock like he says in Psalm 40 verse 1? Do you believe God's word can do it? Or do you just give up to hopelessness and despair and, and, and just give up on life? Or will you be childlike and say, God I believe in the truth of that word. I believe in the power of that word. I can't necessarily understand everything, but I believe your word is truth. Your word is power. What did God say about our future? He said in Proverbs 4 and verse 18, the, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. What did he say? The path of the righteous is like the shining, shining sun. It, it's going to get brighter and brighter. Right now, maybe you're in a place where everything is so dark, it's pitch dark. You can't see. But do you believe the word? Do you believe that your path is going to get brighter and brighter? And that things will become clearer as you keep walking with God. Do you believe that? Or do you say, God this is so dark. Where are you God? You're light, I'm in darkness. Nothing makes sense, nothing is moving. Or do you believe what his word says? What does his word say about your future? Psalm 37, 23, 24 the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord because he delights in his way though he fall he will not be utterly forsaken because the lord upholds him do you believe that for your future that your steps are being ordered by god that god actually delights in what's happening with your life and your future do you believe that? And do you believe that even if you were to make a mistake, God will hold you up? He will not forsake you. Do you believe that? His word is truth. Do you believe? And that that word will truly work in your life. It's not just a promise you underlined in red and colored and yellow. It's more than that. It's truth. And its power, it will work in your life. You will have a performance of that word if you believe. Do you believe? Like it says in Psalm 138, verse 8, that the Lord will perfect what concerns me. The Lord will perfect Psalm 138, verse 8. That which concerns me. That means he will unfold it he will make it to come to pass he is not going to leave me half baked half cooked abandoned saying sorry man you're tough material to work with find somebody else you know no he will perfect that which concerns me he will unfold his highest and best he will continue working on me like a potter works on the clay even if, if he has to rework me a few times it's okay he's going to make something good out of my life do you believe that the Lord will perfect that which concerns you? Concerns your life. Is it truth? Is it power to you? What did he say? About your work, about your finances, about your money. I mean, what does the Bible say? Psalm 1 says Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. What will happen to this man? He will be a recluse, abandoned, good for nothing. No. Verse 3. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He will bring forth his fruit in its season. His leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. Is that truth? Is there enough power in that word for it to happen in your life? What what do you envision yourself? Do you see yourself like a withered tree, good for nothing? People kick, kick at it and break it up. Or do you see your life being something like verse 3 says, like a tree that is planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and that you're fruitful and you're flourishing and whatever you do will prosper. Do you believe in the truth of that word? And do you believe in the power of that word, that that word will become a reality in your life? What did he say? concerning your finances. Psalm 112 verse 3, he said, wealth and riches will be in your home. He said that. I'm not talking about just right as an extravagant living. What I'm trying to say is, look, he said, there'll be enough in your home and more than enough. Wealth and riches will be in your house. Your righteousness will endure forever. What about your life? Psalm 128, verse 1, 2, 3. Blessed is the man who fears God. Happy you will be, and it will be well with you. Say, God, right now I'm totally miserable and everything's bad. What does the word say? Happy you will be. It will be well with you. You will enjoy the fruits of your labor. Lord, right now, I labor, somebody's enjoying it. His word says, you will enjoy the fruit of your life. Your wife will be like a fruitful wine in your home. You say, what does that mean? <laughs> the wine represents gladness and healing. It says, your wife will be a source of joy, gladness, and healing in your house. Say, so Lord, right now it's just the opposite. do you believe that word is that word truth is that word power and your children like olive plants all around your table well nourished, strong virtuous character do you believe that that's his word what did he say what does his word say about our family right there Psalm 128, that's his word for your family. That's truth, that's power. In Psalm, Proverbs 3, verse 33, what does his word say for the family? He blesses the house or the habitation of the just. Proverbs 3, verse 33. He blesses the habitation of the just. Your house will be blessed. Do you believe that? You say, but <clears throat> I'm living with Potiphar. My children are all like total cannibals, you know, whatever. My house is not a place worthy to be blessed. And I'm the only believer in my house. Listen, even if you are the only believer in your house, your house is entitled or will be blessed. Genesis 39, 2 and 3. The Bible says, and Joseph was in Potiphar's house. And the Lord blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. God blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. So it doesn't matter what kind of house you're living in. God will bless your house because you are there. Proverbs 12, verse 7. What does the word say for our family? The house of the righteous will stand. Proverbs 12, verse 7. The house of the righteous will stand. Say, right now, there's an earthquake shaking my house. There is doesn't seem like it's going to stand very long. Listen, his word says your house will stand. The house of the righteous will stand. Is that word truth? Is that word power? Do you believe in the truth and in the power of that word that his, that his word says your house will stand? God, my house will stand. It's going to stand. Amen. What does his word say about our children? You know, parents, some of us who are parents, you know, in the early days, our children are like little angels. Oh, so beautiful, so wonderful. And then they become, they tend to grow into little brats, you know. So, you'll find out when they come into their, you know, maybe just before their teens, they're like little brats, and like, hmm. But you can still handle it, it's okay. They come into the teenage years, and that now the brats, okay, maybe I should mellow down. (laughs) I'm not saying everybody's like this, but I'm just saying. Sometimes, and you do your best for your children and then sometimes they just just go the wrong way what do you do will you still stand before God holding on to his word what does his word say Isaiah 54 and verse 13 his word says all your children will be taught by the Lord and they will have great peace Will you hold on to that? At this moment, maybe the wrong people are teaching your children. Right? Maybe it's the drug addict that's teaching your child. Or maybe it's, I don't know what. And, and and you never thought your kids would get into all of this mess. And then, but then now you're there. You say, God, I did the right things. But I don't know how it all turned out this way. At that moment, would you dare to believe that the word of God is truth. And that there is power in that word to still cause a change. Would you still believe it? All my children. Would you stand before God and say, God you have spoken. Be it unto me according to your word. Your word says all my children will be taught by the Lord. Not by devils, not by doctrines of demons, not by drug addicts. But my children will be taught by the Lord, and they will have great peace, not confusion, not, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, anything else in the world is causing them, but they will have peace. Would you stand on that word? The Bible says in Isaiah 59 and verse 21. My spirit that is upon you, Isaiah fifty-nine, verse twenty-one. My spirit that is upon you, and the word that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, not out of the mouth of your descendants, not, of, not out of the mouth of your descendants' descendants. God is saying, Look, the word that's in your mouth, the anointing that I've given you, will pass on to your children and to your children's children. Would you believe that? And say God. Be it unto me according to your word. You said in your word. That whatever you've given me. Will get on to my children. And will get on to my grandchildren. i I wanted to go on from generation to generation. That that's your word God. That is your truth. That is your promise. I'm holding on to it. His word says your children will be mighty on the earth. That's Psalm 112. I think it's verse 2. Your children will be mighty on the earth. Not. Miserable on the earth, but mighty. People who will be movers and shakers. People who will have impact and influence. People who will do something of significance. Your children will be mighty on the earth. You said, God, I take a hold of that word for my children. Now, I know we've touched on a few of these areas, but like this. The Word of God speaks to us concerning so many areas of our life. Whether it's for our personal lives, for our family, for our work, whatever. There is the Word of God. It's promise that's available to all of us. And what I want to impress on our hearts this morning is, listen. This Word is truth. This Word is power. And we must approach it that saying, this is the truth of the Word. This is the power of the Word. I am not letting it go because I believe this Word is... Is designed to produce in my life, right here and now. Some of us say, "Maybe in heaven I'll get it." No, God spoke to you, for, spoke that to you for here and now, for our life here on earth. But as we engage with God and His Word and say, "God, I believe Your truth. I believe Your Word is power," as we engage with God, there is an enemy. That's going to try and question that word. You know, Paul was preaching once, and some—I think—some of the people fell asleep, and they fell out of the. One of the guys fell off the roof. (laughs) He was preaching all night. It was a long sermon. Just don't fall off your chair. (laughs) Hold on to your chair. Okay, back to the message. There is a devil that does not want us to see the fulfillment of that word. He comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want to say. And the simplest, most common strategy that he uses is did God really say? That's it. Right in the Garden of Eden, after God has spoken to Adam and Eve, what does the devil come and say? Hey, did God really say? Meaning, questioning what God said. In that case, it was questioning the instruction that God had given. But that's the devil's most common strategy. To question the truth and the power of the words. You think God really meant it? Maybe he meant it for The neighbor, not for you. Did God really say? About this for your family, about this for your children, about this for your life, about this for your future. Did God really say? Did God really mean it? Maybe he didn't really mean that. Or maybe there's not just enough power. I mean, your your situation is a little too much for the word of God. That's the devil's strategy. To get us to doubt. And get us to question the truth. And the power of the word. But that's when we must be like what Jesus said. In Matthew 11 and verse 12. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it. By force. The kingdom of heaven suffers. Violence. And the violent take it. Meaning in the spirit. There's got to be that aggressiveness there has got to be that push in the spirit there's got to be that tenacity that intensity in the spirit saying i'm going to take this this is mine i'm going to have it i'm not giving up on it why it's not that god's holding it back from us jesus said you know in luke 12 verse 32 fear not little flock It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12.32. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's really happy about giving what he has. So it's not that God's holding it back from us. But there's an enemy that tries to hinder. And we've got to press in. And say, I'm taking hold of the word of God. I'm not letting go. No matter what doubts, no matter what questions, no matter how much the enemy may challenge the truth and the power, no matter how much he may challenge what God has spoken, I am holding on to that word. Amen? I just want to talk a little bit about another aspect of the word being fulfilled in our lives, and we close with that. So please fasten your seatbelts. We're preparing for landing. There's another aspect of the word of God being fulfilled in our lives. It's about God bringing us to a certain level in us, in ourselves. Think about Joseph. He was probably about 13 years of age when he had the dream, or the dreams, the two dreams, about his life. God was speaking to him. The word of the Lord came to him. Saying that this is what's going to happen in your future. Spoke to him about the sun, the moon, the eleven stars bowing before him, and and and, and the you know the sheaves of corn bowing before his. He had a picture of the future. The word of the Lord came to him. Now maybe Joseph made some mistakes. He was maybe you know very vocal about the dreams, very proud, maybe very arrogant, whatever. He really upset his brothers. And at the age of seventeen, he was sold by his brothers into Egypt, sold off a slave. Let's get rid of him. They lied to the father that he was killed and they sold him off as a slave. And so here Joseph finds himself in Potiphar's house in Egypt. Potiphar must have bought him in the market, made him a slave. And he said, okay, you're going to start washing my dishes every day. And so here comes Joseph. He is washing dishes. It's like, how did I get here? What happened to those dreams? I'm supposed to be somebody big. But here I'm doing the most menial work in Potiphar's house. He went through it for nine years. But in nine years it was promotion. So in due time, he did so well in Potiphar's house that Potiphar made him in charge of his whole household affairs. But then things turned bad again because Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph and Joseph was thrown into prison. Two years in prison. I just think what Joseph must have been going through. Say, God, what's happening to that word? That promise you spoke to me. I mean, it was great. But everything now is exactly the opposite. I'm in prison. And if anything, at least I should get out of prison. Forget about that dream. At least I should get out of prison. But well, we know what happens in Joseph's life. After 11 years from the time he was sold as a slave, finally, in, almost suddenly, God takes him out of prison and he finds himself being appointed as a prime minister of Egypt because of one gift he had in his life, the ability to interpret dreams, the working of wisdom in his life. God appointed there prime minister. And then, seven years of plenty, Then came two years of famine. So another nine years. And at the end end of those nine years, he sees that dream fulfilled. His brothers, his father come into Egypt to buy food. And they actually bow down before Joseph. So about 20 years from the time he was sold as a slave. For that dream to actually come to pass. What was God doing in Joseph's life? Psalm 105 Tells us something very interesting. I'm getting, getting ready to close. Psalm 105 verse 17 through 22. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hard his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and the ruler of all his possessions. To bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Notice what it says in verse 19. The word of the Lord tested him. So here's another aspect of God's working in our lives. When he calls us, when he presents to us a promise. Inviting us to believe that promise. To have faith in the truth and in the power of that promise. That promised word will also test us before it is produced in us. The word of the Lord tested Joseph. Now understand that every test is only an invitation for promotion. Sometimes we don't like tests. Hmm, why is this test? Listen. Unless you pass the test in the ninth grade, you cannot go into the 10th. The test is not an effort to keep you in the ninth; It's an effort to promote you to the 10th, but just to ensure you've learned what you needed to learn in the ninth, Every test is an invitation for promotion, but there's got to be a check that you've learned what you needed to learn. In that stage of your life. Are you with me? So when you're holding on to the promise of God. And you're holding on to the word of God. Yes. uh, You know. God invites us to be childlike, to trust that faith. He also invites us to war war into the things of the kingdom because there's an enemy that would try to obstruct, try to hinder us from possessing what God wants us to possess. But in that process, God's also saying, I want you to grow, I want you to build strength in your spirit because you're going to go from the 8th to the ninth. but then you need strength to go from the ninth to the 10th. I'm building stuff inside you. So even the word of the Lord tests you, you hold on to that word. You hold on to that word. You don't give up on it. There is no indication, although the scripture doesn't state it explicitly. There is no indication in scripture that Joseph ever got angry with God. There's no writing that he went around kicking out all the utensils in Potiphar's house. Saying, I'm so upset with God. Even when he was thrown in prison. He had such a good attitude the chief of, of prisons made him next in charge. Must have been doing. Must have had a really good attitude. So all of the scriptures don't state it. We can infer that Joseph even through all that he, was, he went through. He kept his faith in God. And he passed the test. He passed the test. So this morning. Would you hold on to God's word. This is truth. This is power. Every promise is for you. Hold on to that word. The truth and the power of that word. His word will be fulfilled. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.